Aloha! And welcome to Masters of Divinity. <laughs> I am your moderator, JP. And I'm here as always with Father Chuck. What's up? I Aloha! Say, uh, Kahuna Chuck, right? Because that's Hawaiian for... No, wait. That's Hawaiian for priest. Priest. Kahuna is, so yes. You wouldn't be Kahuna yeah. Chuck. You would just be... I don't know. I, I do like Kahuna Chuck, though. Yeah, I mean, makua is uh, is another term that's often that can also be used as a priest, like a substitute. But yeah, um, kahuna. Uh, do you want to tell our audience why we've decided to open this episode up uh, talking about Hawaiian, uh, talking in Hawaiian? Talk because uh, our podcast, what, talking story, is the Hawaiian <laughs> idiom of what you do. You talk story. Um, nice, I you like don't. That. You don't talk stink. That's that's a great one. Don't talk talking stink is when you're talking like negative gossip. Yeah. Like gossip in general is the coconut wireless. Um, <laughs> all these fun things that you will hear and more because um, a big change is happening in the Browning household. Um, as most, I would I would well I don't know if any of our listeners really know other than the ones who already know. Um, is that is. I am relocating to the great city of Honolulu in like three weeks. Wow. That's a big, I didn't realize it was so soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm equal parts excited for you. Equal parts uh, hate you because I think living in Hawaii would be neat. You know, it's, it, it, it seems like it would be. And I'm, I'm throwing, um, but I am throwing up a shocker bra for you. So there you go. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I, I should probably specify that I'm not like just moving to Hawaii for the, you know, just to like, like Chris Pratt it, like in a van. Um, <laughs> that would be awesome though. No, I am, I am, your family I'm in a van. Yeah. <laughs> um, we actually did think about it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I am, uh, I, I have been called to be the, uh, the priest in charge of, St. Mary's Episcopal Church in the Mo'ili'ili neighborhood um, in downtown Honolulu. Um, and then we will be um, living in the Hawaii Kai area on the eastern side of the island. And listen, every time I talk about this, I'm like, this is objectively insane. Yeah, it's surreal. It's a bit surreal. I mean, people don't live like, like, who gets to live in Hawaii, right? I mean, it's, it just seems it's, it's such a dream. Um, you know, it's like, you know, people live in Hawaii, you know, lots of people live in Hawaii, but they're like, they're Hawaiians. Mm -hmm. Like friends don't go to Hawaii. They don't move to Hawaii. <laughs> like only like, only like celebrities do that kind of thing. I mean, it's the closest thing you could do to actually like leave the country. Right. It's, I mean, it, it is the only state in our country that is technically in another continent. Right. Because it's part of Oceania. Right. The continent of, of Atlantis. Is that right? That's. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, kind of, kind of part of Oceania. It's just debatable if it's actually part of Oceania, but some people put it included as part of Oceania. Um, and it is definitely part of the Polynesian Triangle. So, like, which is an, uh, um, an uh, you know, anthropological, cultural, anthrocultural uh, Arca region. Archipelagia? Is it? No. No, 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 no. Okay. no. All right. No, because it's connected through our, um through anthropological ties rather than geographic ties. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So, but it's, but it's, 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 it is, it is crazy that mm -hmm. my family in like five weeks from now will be, we will be, you know, like sleeping in 
a house in Hawaii and that will be our home. Like that's, we're not going to be like on vacation. Like that will be our home, our foreseeable future. You know, we are living in Hawaii. And I feel like it it probably won't be a huge culture shock uh, for somebody from Florida. Maybe uh, I mean, I mean I, I, not not so much. I mean, there's a there's a uh, a well sized native population. That's probably not, you know, what you you'd expect to see like in Florida. But aside from that, the the weather, uh, the oh, culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a bit you know it's 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 laid back and it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's laid back. It's nice. I mean, reading one of the cool things is the Diocese of Hawaii sends every mainlander um, who get tired to their church a book called Culture Shock Hawaii. Oh. Um, I mean, it's sort of like a travel guide, um, but it's really insightful. It's about this guy who um, he was um, he's from Colorado who married a Japanese woman, lived in Japan and then moved to Colorado and then moved to Hawaii. And so he um, he talks about like his experiences of so many years living there, what it was like as a mainlander moving in and um it's um it it's been really insightful but what what you get from reading it is that japanese culture has influenced hawaiian culture in pretty profound ways because there's there's a few things that are culturally resonant between the native hawaiian culture and japanese culture that have that have just sort of blended in pretty smoothly. Um, and so like the biggest thing is, is that it's, it's a collectivist culture, not an individualistic culture. And so it, yeah, so it, it definitely, it definitely has a feel very different from anywhere in the mainland. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it, I mean, both Kane and I, when we got there, we're like, as we're looking at Honolulu driving around, we're like, when we went to visit for the interviews, we were like, this looks like, like, oh, that looks like Singapore. Oh, this looks like parts of Bangkok we've seen. Like, there's just very, like, it has a very Asian look to it as a city. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, I mean, of course, the church is, the church is in, is, is like on one side of the church is like a really, like really Japanese looking ramen restaurant, like with the like flags and stuff hanging out outside. And then there's like a little office building next to the church. And the other side of that is a Shinto shrine. So it's, it's just very... And it is not going to help my weeaboo stuff, dude. No, it's not. No, I was going to ask you the the weeaboo inside you, who, who lives inside you, is is he pretty excited? Is he? Uh, okay, so his... I, I I haven't told you about this. So while when we went to visit, um, we were told we've been told by people that we you know for getting touristy things like a good place to go buy like little tchotchkes for tur- for um for gifts to bring back home was from this place called Don Quixote. So Don Quixote is a Japanese wholesaler. Like it's sort of like if you put a Walgreens inside of a, like a Winn-Dixie. Okay. Um, and um, they have like a number of locations throughout Japan. I think the only location in America is in, is in Honolulu. Um, and so it is, it's a grocery store and it is, really Japanese. I mean, like I, when Ken and I walked in, it was, it, it was like, we stepped into like Japan. Like it was just, Gosh. it was. Yeah. And I, as I walked around, I said to Kana, I said, it's too much. <laughs> like, I like, don't even, I too good like, to be true. Like, no, it's, it's like, have you ever had too many options and you don't, so you don't know where to begin. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of how I felt. I was like, this is so, there's so much Japanese like stuff like, and it made me kind of afraid. Like if I ever go to Japan, am I going to, is my brain going to break? Cause there's just 
too much. Yeah. It's just sort of sensory overload. And so I was just kind of like, just there, you know, like I'm looking at packages of like entire squids that are dried and I'm like seeing like all the candy and all, I mean, just everything. That's amazing. And I'm, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so like, so in terms of the weeaboo, uh, part of me, I, I think he doesn't know what to do, <laughs> but we did eat a sushi restaurant that, um, served you sushi on a bullet train. So weeaboo Chuck was pretty happy with that. Nice. It's like you've been preparing it for pre- preparing for this your whole life, but you still don't feel prepared. Like, like how could you yeah. feel prepared? Yeah. Cause I, I, and like, yeah, it's one of those things that like, this is the, you know, being a, being both a surfer and into, and into Japanese culture, both like, you know, some religious stuff and also pop culture, um, throughout so much of my life. It's one of these things that like, I've, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, be someplace just like Hawaii or wherever. Like I never, like I never, I never really thought I'd live in Hawaii. Like it was never something I was like, it was never a dream for me to like move to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's just, it's kind of impossible anyway, unless you have like a, a big income. Like it's, it's kind of hard. Right. Right. Yeah. And I you have um, an advantage being a priest. That's what I'm saying. You right, have a right. job waiting for you. Yeah, but yeah, but it was just sort of like one of these things where, in terms of like all this culture, like I've, you know, I've wanted to be a part of it, but I've never, but it, you know, it was never like realistic. It was always like hopefully someday, right? Like maybe someday I would go to Japan. Maybe you know, like I, I spent a total of like 40 minutes in actual Japan when I came back from Thailand. Um, but it was just enough time to get from one plane to another. So like, I didn't even, I don't really feel like I went to Japan cause I just ran from one gate to the next. Um, but I, so it's weird. It's like, as you're saying, like I've, you know, it's something I kind of wanted my whole life, but now that I have it, I'm like, feel like I'm playing catch up and there's like a weird intimidation that I'm like, am I going to overdo it? Like, am I going to like, <laughs> you know? Um, be completely insufferable. Are you going to wear a Hawaiian shirt every time I see you on this podcast? You know, I've been wearing a lot of Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> I'm wearing an Epcot shirt right now, nice. but, um, no, I actually, I, 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 but the funny thing is I, I've had, I've had a few Aloha shirts that I've been wearing, um, off and on just cause I like them. They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. But ever since the Hawaii news came out, when people see me in it, like, Oh, I see you're getting ready. And I'm like, <laughs> this shirt's two years old. <laughs> Nice. So, are you gonna change your name to Kunu? <laughs> Chuck is your mainland name. Oh gosh, what if I did that? <laughs> I bet the church would fire me. <laughs> I hear him, Kunu. Guys, listen. You hired me. No longer am I Charles Kunu. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but it's, 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 it's really awesome. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really excited and, um, and, and just like, I mean, I could go on and on just like all the stuff I'm reading and learning and stuff I'm excited about. Um, you know, I will probably, you'll probably hearing lots of it throughout the podcast as we record because I will be, you know, adjusting to this new reality and everything. Yeah. It's going to be interesting recording this podcast with you, uh, 
almost a day behind us. <laughs> almost half a day behind us. Right. Like I from Florida to now is a six hour difference or five hour difference. It's four fifty one PM in Honolulu right now. Um and it is nine fifty two PM my time here in Florida. Yeah. And so what eight fifty two your time, right? So um so that'll be that'll be interesting to figure out. We're gonna have to do some some math, some calculating on that. Yep, but I'm sure we'll make it work. Yep, we always have. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let a uh, uh, time zone get in the way of it. No, I mean it, you know it might be one of these things where it's like, you know, either super early in the morning for me or super late at night. But we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah, we'll it'll be fine. It's it'll be fine, bro. I'm not worried, bro. <laughs> I ain't worried. You can't be worried. You're required not to, to worry about it since you're moving to Hawaii. So you and, know, and just... I, I I grow pot, so I can't worry either. I'm... Right, Matt can worry. Yeah, we'll let we'll let Matt do the worrying. How long has it been since Matt has been on this show? I don't know. Uh, listeners, let us know if you. Know. <laughs> it's been a since we we're kind of averaging like a, an episode a month. It's been a few months. <laughs> it's been a. I mean, it's. I think we've done like five episodes without him i i think so has it been like five or six months it's I think maybe maybe and you know what's funny is that uh one of one of my friends listens to this podcast and he he actually uh made a very nice post about us on facebook ben if you're listening shout out thank you um thanks ben i still have your copy of uh the whole shebang of scud the disposable assassin uh, if you if you want it back, let me know. <laughs> but I, full disclosure, I haven't started it yet, but I still want to read it. Anyway, uh, shout out for leaving us a really nice Facebook uh, post a few months ago. But what I thought was funny about it was that uh, he kind of described the podcast as JP and Chuck and occasionally Matt. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> It's, it's true though, but for like good reasons, right? It's not like Matt's just like a slacker. Like Matt has, yeah. Matt has a very complicated life as 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 a member of the law enforcement community, and yeah. is been you know one with like crazy scheduling, and then now he's been in training because he's doing new work. But yeah, it's so funny because like Matt saw that post as well, and was like, oh, so occasionally Matt, huh? <laughs> like, That's his new podcast name. Occasionally, occasionally Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. You gave us a. Uh, you finally we try to figure out how to name. call him, and so it's occasional Matt. Occasional Matt. I like it. It's got a good ring to it. it does he's going to be so mad when he hears it? <laughs> so we are going to. Uh, well, I guess another. Did we? I don't know if we also mentioned because we we're so inter, hit or miss. Did we talk about the fact that I'm having another kid too? Have we? Have we shared Wait, that on the podcast? Uh, that you're having a third child. I keep forgetting that you're having a third. One. In addition <laughs> to moving to Hawaii, so you're. So, you're scaling back on some stuff, you know, uh, except for um, children. Listen, every every move has coincided with a child. <laughs> Actually, every child has coincided with a move. When Charlie was born, is when I started here at the Chapel of Saint Andrew. We moved uh, to our house to our house in Boynton. Then, um, and then when we got, and then we got pregnant with Ford, and that was when we moved on campus here at the school. So when Kana. When Kana told me that she had a positive pregnancy test, I was like, well, we're moving to Hawaii because, you know, we were still in the search process and we didn't know. Wow. Like it was very early on. So I was like, well, I guess we're going to move to Hawaii because we're going to have a kid because kids, kids, are, they, they presage moves. <laughs> 
So, yeah, so we're going to have a child that will be born in Hawaii. Wow. By the way, let me just share. It was very funny. When I when I told the boys, when Ken and I told the boys that we were moving, Charlie's first question was, he goes, are there toys there? <laughs> and I, he's like, is, you know, basically, it's like, is there Star Wars? Do they have Star Wars in, in Hawaii? And, and I was like, yes, Charlie, they, 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 have, they have Star Wars. They have Star Wars there. He's like, how do you know? <laughs> and I said, he's five, by the way. And I said, um, I said, well, they, they have Target. He's like, like, like Target, Target? I'm like, yes, like Target, Target, like just normal Target, like you and I shop at all the time. They have that there in Hawaii. He goes, he goes, how do, how do you know? How do you know they have Target, Target? And I said, because I shopped there. We went in. We went into the Target in Kailua. Like we looked at stuff. He says, they have all the same things. He says, yes, all the same things. Like, the only thing different is they have a section that sells like authentic Hawaiian shirts. That's the only thing different that they have in the Kailua Target than what they have in Boca Raton. Um, and I said, in fact, you know, when we get there, we will take you to target so you can see it. <laughs> so, uh, actually that's our plan is because their stuff, you know, it may take like several weeks for all of our stuff to get there. So we're going to, we're going to take them to, we're going to take them to target and buy them like little Lego sets or something so they can see something normal, familiar, and then get a reward out of it. So it would be know. funny if you just like took them to Walgreens instead and took them to the toy aisle and it's just all those knockoff <laughs> action figures like see this see i told you well it's not quite star wars but it's close right so in waikiki <laughs> waikiki has this like these stores they're like these they're, they're so like convenience store it's called ab it's an abc store but it's not like abc liquor like we have here it's just abc stores and they, they are everywhere yeah in waikiki i mean it, it, it it's hilarious how many there are and um, that'd be funny to take them to that and just find like, <laughs> like this is Target. Yeah, this is Hawaii Target. Well, cool, man. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty exciting. I I I hope that uh, I can visit you because that 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 would be cool. We've never, you and I have never traveled before. No, we we have we have <clears throat> we have we are both traveled people. Yeah, but we have not traveled together. I've traveled with Matt, not much. But I've been to different places, but but not with you. So it's, it's interesting. It'd be, it'd be her first time traveling Hawaii, essentially. You you should. Um, here's what we should do. We should like make some kind of like plan. You should like come stay with us, and then like you and I travel somewhere, Ooh. like Japan. Like Japan would be awesome. <laughs> oh no. Or um, gosh, Disney that would be. The could you imagine? Thing. Could you imagine you, me, and Matt just traveling to Japan, the three of us, <laughs> be and awesome. recording this podcast in Japan? I, I, I would pay extra money just to watch Matt in Japan. I just have a feeling that would be very funny. Our fifty listeners would be riveted. Hey, so on the Patreon, uh, pay for us three to go to Japan. Yeah, we have a Patreon. Uh, shout out to to our our, our one Patreon subscriber who uh, 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 keeps the URL afloat. Or not the URL, yeah. the, the hosting. The hosting afloat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the SoundCloud afloat. But no, that'd be cool. Like, we should go to, go to Japan. We'll go to Tokyo. We'll go to Disney Sea. Somewhere I've always wanted to go. Disney Sea? Yeah, do you know about Disney Sea? I mean, that's you the, have to know about Disney Sea, right? That's the, that's the, like, water park, right? No. You don't know about Disney Sea? Really? I know Tokyo Disney. No, 
Disney Sea, it's it's like it's kind of like their islands of adventure. Okay. Everything is sort of like it's not a water. Oh yeah 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 yeah. It's not like a water park, but it's very aquatic themed. That's right. It's like islands. Right, right, right. Um, and it has uh, and it's 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 special amongst like Disney fans because it has uh some rides that are still like original and not necessarily based on Disney properties. Uh, like I think the most famous one is uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Which, even though it's not original, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, it's uh, Jules Verne, right. uh, but like, but the designs and stuff are original, designed by actual Imagineers and stuff like that. Not, uh, not it's not like Pixar or Frozen or something. Right, 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 right. Um, so it's cool. I, I would love to go there, and it's all, of course. I mean, you know, if you don't speak Japanese, you probably don't know what's going on. They also have uh, their version of the the Tower of Terror. Which is called like the Mystic Hotel or something, um, and that's pretty crazy. Like if you look it up, like the building, if the building's like the same shape as the Tower of Terror, but like the the exterior of it is like crazy looking. Like it's it's pretty insane. Huh. Um. And uh, what else is there that I saw that was pretty that was really awesome? Yeah, there's there is something there. else there because I've read about this. I think they had like their own version of like the haunted mansion. They do have their own version of the maybe haunted mansion. Maybe that's the mystic mansion. Maybe that's what I'm getting it mixed up or something. Um, it's not yeah, like spooky, it's, but it, it's it's. Like, it's I like think that's thing. the one that deals with it deals with like a sailor. Yeah. Who died at sea or something? Something like that. Yeah, I've got like a haunted mansion book uh, <laughs> packed packed away that talks about all the versions of the haunted mansion. Yeah, and I wonder if it has to do with like Japanese culture, like their, their haunted mansion is not like spooky and gothic. It's it's like fantasy. Well, I know that the I know that the haunted mansion that's in the the in the Shanghai Disney, the, the Chinese Disney, can't have anything supernatural in it because right. China has this yeah. whole thing about that. Um, they're they're very against ghosts and portrayal yeah. of ghosts. Yeah, and so it's like um it's like a mystery house. Yeah, not 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 a ghost house. Um, and I don't know if there's, but yeah, there, cause I remember there is a, one of the haunted mansions is it, it deals with like a, like a sea captain mm-hmm. and that character sort of is in the Disney world haunted mansion. Cause they have like a tomb for him. Yeah. The, he's part of the, the explorers club, right? That's sort of that, that yeah, kind yeah. of like shared universe, uh, subplot throughout all of right. Disney parks, <laughs> right, <laughs> which, right, which Indiana right. Jones is a member of apparently too. Yeah, and I yeah 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> this is like kinda... this is this is some deep seated uh, Disney nerd stuff that you had to like look up on Disney Wikipedia's. <laughs> to... Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I don't know, it's, gonna, it's so interesting. I mean, it's gonna be it's a little sad to like. That's one thing I'm a little you know of course sad about because we enjoy going to Disney very much as a family. Um, but you know, Hawaii Hawaii is cool, I guess. Uh, <laughs> They do have Olani. They do have a. They have a Disney, a very nice Disney resort there. That apparently you can like pay some kind of membership fee to have like access to parts of it or whatever. But um, the um, the but like Epcot's going to go through like this major like three year renovation in yeah. in time for the 40th anniversary. So that's what I told Charlie because that's the other thing. Is the next day after we told him, Charlie climbs in bed with me in the morning and he goes. Daddy, we won't be able to go to Disney anymore if we move to Hawaii. 
And I said, I know, buddy. And I said, I said, but, you know, Disney, they're getting ready to completely redo Epcot and they're going to be opening a whole bunch of new rides. And I said, honestly, it's probably better for us to take a few years off. And then that way, once everything is new and open, we can go back yeah. and we'll get to see it all and we'll all be new. And he seemed to be kind of okay with that. Um, he's the one that I think is going to, he's been very apprehensive about the move forward is like jumping on the couch excited. Um, but I think that once we get there, we might see them flip in which case like Charlie will just like own it. He's like, all right, we're in Hawaii now. This is cool. Like, this is my reality. We'll just make the most of it. Whereas Ford will then start being like, I want to go home. Right. And being all dramatic. I can totally see that happening. And, um, you know, but I mean, at least they're young enough that it's not going to be as traumatic an experience. They're, they're pliable at this age. Yeah. Um, a few cause... years ago by, and they probably won't even really think about Disney or they'll think where they live is way cooler than Disney. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, and they might not even have very many memories of Disney. I mean, cause you, you know, you think about it, like your memories don't really start solidifying until you're like six or seven years old. Right. You know? So like, that's kind of, it's kind of crazy to think that Charlie may have a few vague memories of living here. Ford will probably not remember anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then in a few years when we go to Disney, it'll be new to them and that'll be cool. I'll get a little personal here. And that is, it's only been like the past couple of years that I've been open to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I have really, I mean, to be real honest, like I've, I've always wanted to do something like this, but I've also kind of always been afraid of doing something like this, you know, cause I'm a, you know, I'm a, I tend to be a, you know, I like home. You know, I like, you know, I have my friends, you know, like I, I like hanging out with, you know, like seeing, you know, Keelan and, and people that I know. And you always did have a certain amount of civic pride in, uh, in, in Florida, kind of digging your heels. Yeah. Into, you know, yeah. I live in Florida. What, well, what of it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, you know, and I had, and I had that and, uh, you know, a few years ago, I, I had a really close brush with the idea of moving back to Orlando, which was probably, you know, ha- being, coming that close to it made me kind of realize I actually didn't want it. And I started thinking, you know, I think I want something actually drastically different. And then I started to realize, you know, I've got my wife and my kids. I have my home and they're going to go with me wherever I go. Was that a moth? What was that? It was a moth. Okay. Sorry. Live um, out the country, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> we have giant, apparently we're, I'm going to have to deal with giant centipedes in Hawaii. So, oh, Lord. Um, but I, um, but anyway, yeah. So like, I'm just, I, I'm finally at this place because like, Kano has always been much more of like a, just you know, go do some kind of adventurous thing. And like, I'm always like on board with it, but then like the day or two before I leave, I get like super antsy and nervous. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I get all like, you know, like, I don't know. I just have like these like weird fears about this kind of stuff. That's just been my tendency. And this is completely out of, like somewhat out of character for me in the, in, in based off of past precedent for me to like really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm full on stoked about it. And, um, and I'm, and I'm excited that I am, that I'm excited about it because like I said, like I, you know, I've let fear sort of dictate a lot of, a lot of decisions I've made in my life. And, you know, like the big ones, not obviously I went to like, I moved to DC for three years to go to seminary, you know, that was, and I didn't know anyone, you know, that was, that was a pretty big step for me. Right. Um, you know, like I'm the kind of person that, you know, freshman year at PBA, I was still driving home every weekend. Um, and then when Keelan came, when, you know, Keelan, friend of the show, childhood best friend, when he came down to PBA for the spring semester, then I started staying and hanging around. That's when I really met you. And, you know, we, you know, then we ended up getting an apartment together and all that kind of stuff. 
right. um, of the year after that. But, you know, I, um, um, you know, I started to kind of flourish a little bit when I, when I, you know, you know, but I had, but I had sort of like a, you know, some form of a safety net, you know, a familiar face to kind of ease me into it. And now like, here I am going for broke, man, leaving behind like everything except for my family, everything that I know and hold to be familiar. But like, it's crazy though. Like when I was out there in September for, um, for an interview, I had, I, I, it was scary at first. And then I just had this really weird moment where it just settled over me. I'm like, man, this place feels like home. Like it just, it just hit me that it felt like home and I was sad to leave. And then when I had the opportunity to go back for this other job interview, which is now the, for the place that I'm now work, I'm going to be working. Um, you know, when Ken and I looked out the window and we saw the Island in the window, it was just like, Oh, we're, we're home. And then we got out of the plane and it just, everything felt right and familiar. And it just was like, this is home. Like this place is home. And so, you know, then, then that got scary because it was like, well, what if they say no to us? <laughs> because now like we've really fallen in love with it and, and like any other place that we could serve that I could serve as a priest would feel like absolutely feel like at best, like, you know, second best. And that's not anything what anyone wants. So, you know, we, we, we really have lucked out, you know, we feel that God has been very good to us to call us into, you know, what feels like the best possible place that we could go. And, um, and so it's just this crazy, you know, this crazy thing to be, you know, going on an adventure and something I've, you know, in the back of my mind always wanted to do, but been afraid to. And here I am now I'm doing it. And, um, you know, my kids are going to have this crazy experience to be able to say they grew up in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it, like in a few years, like, you know, his, you know, we don't know, you know, 10, 15 years from now, you know, when the kids start going into college or whatever, like they're, you know, who knows where they're going to go. And, you know, they may end up like somewhere in the Midwest and people are going to be like, well, that's where are you from? And they're going to be like, Hawaii. <laughs> cool. What is like sort of the overall, like, is it pretty, like, sort of the Christian, like, demographic in Hawaii? Is it sort of like, who has the bigger influence, do you think? Is it still like evangelicals or Protestant? I mean, you, even, yeah, yeah, Protestant evangelicals and, and Catholics hold some pretty big sway. Um, I think, so so the culturally um the 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 more evangelical types were there first because the congregationalists were the first to so like the universe like the like the yeah so like the united church of christ well i mean what what became the united church of christ but the congregationalists were the first missionaries so calvinist missionaries um were the first to to show up in hawaii and uh they did a lot of damage (laughs) um like the Dole Pineapple Plantation. Oh like yeah, they the Doles were missionaries, and then suddenly they made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the great sayings that I've heard is um, Dole went to Hawaii to do good, and he ended up doing well. Um, <laughs> wow. And uh, you know, so like, th- so that's that's a huge thing um, I, that I can get into in a little bit. But I, um, but so the Congregationalists were the first, and so they have the historic churches, and so there's a bit of a Presbyterian element too that still that still lingers there but um kamehameha the fourth the the fourth the fourth king of the united kingdom of hawaii um him and his wife emma they um they became anglican christians and they brought anglican christianity from england um so the episcopal church is anglican so they they brought they brought that with them after visiting 
Queen Victoria and becoming friends with her. Um, uh, Kamehameha really liked what he saw in Oxford. And so he wanted to bring, he thought that that was a much more appropriate type of Christianity that resonated better with the refined, because he said the more like, what is it, the sort of the elegant, elegant refinement or whatever of, of the Hawaiian people. And so it really upset the Congregationalist when he did this, but he basically made um, the official Christianity of Hawaii Anglican. So, um, and then, then eventually that became Episcopalian when the Americans came in, but there's also baggage with that because the Americans came in under some really messed up pretenses um, during American imperialism. Um, you know, so that's, so that being said, like Christianity is like, it's like 65%. It's like the largest religious group on the islands. Um, Buddhism is also significant. It's like a significant second. Um, agnosticism is also a big deal there. And, um, um, yeah. So, and then like animism, folk, native religion, things like that, um, are on the rise there as well. But what's interesting too, about Hawaiian Christianity and just, I can't really speak for other Hawaiian religions, but like, um, but for Hawaiian Christianity, it seems to have an openness to native religious ideas like you'll hear people talk about madame pele the goddess of the volcanoes yeah um you know that's just sort of like yeah of course pele is part of the you know like that's just part of it um and i I gotta say i like that like i like that sense of of a sort of syncretistic um approach to religion and using Christianity as a way to keep some of those folk things alive rather than suppress them, because that's what the Calvinists tried to do, is they tried to get rid of all of it. They got rid of the hula. They, they, tried, they got rid of surfing. Um, they completely redid, they completely redid, like, even the, the, the way that, that Hawaiian, the, the natives structured their, like, their, like, housing situation. They're, like, what we would call a village. They sort of forced into western style grids they gave them the concept of of private property ownership i mean everything that you dislike about capitalism like it's hawaii is like a perfect you look at the history of what happened to hawaii is like a perfect justification of what's wrong with with all of that and what they forced these people to deal with but what's interesting but what's interesting is that to with like the with the the big five, which are the big five um, big five companies. I can't remember all of them, but Dole being one of the biggest, right? The, the pineapple plantation, you know, to to grow like sugar and pineapple and stuff like that. They brought workers from China and Japan, and then later to, from the Philippines and Korea and the Korean Peninsula. Um, but when they brought the, the Chinese and the Japanese first to come work the plantations, what seemed to eventually happen is that Japanese and Chinese sensibilities really wove into the fabric of the people. And so it had this almost like corrective effect to what the Americans were doing. And so, and so throughout the late 20, like late 19th century into the 20th century, you know, and then of course, you know, especially after World War II, um, it, it's taken on this very interesting character that does not feel Western at all there. Um, and seems to pre- be pretty resistant to it. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's, that's a cool thing to, to experience. Um, I'm, I will say that Hawaii years before I ever considered living there, Hawaii was one of the first like 
learning about what what the missionaries did to the Hawaiian people when I first started surfing and learning about surfing history, it was one of the first times that I was ever embarrassed for my religion hmm. to read what what Christian missionaries did to the Hawaiian people. But then when I found out they were Calvinists, I was like, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that Calvinists were so were trying to stop surfing, which I'm like, of course they of course. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Um, yeah, they, yeah, I'm like, um, yeah, I just, you know, there's so many interesting things too that, that I mean, you, you see from colonialism that are just woven into the fabric of the place, right? Like, I mean, like the Aloha shirt, right? Like the Aloha shirt, the Aloha dress. Um, these are actually, they're actually rooted in the Calvinist missionaries creating things to cover these naked brown bodies up. Hmm. And then they just sort of took it and made their own thing out of it, right. which is kind of beautiful in its own way. Yeah. Oh, isn't there like a really sad story behind the, the song Aloha Oi? Like it was all yeah. about sort of like the, the kingdom giving up power. Yeah, so like, that song was written by was written by Queen Liliuokalani, who's the yeah. final, the last, the last uh, monarch of Hawaii. Um, she was sort of forced to give up the 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 kingdom um, through um, what is known as the Bayonet Constitution, mm -hmm. which it was said that because it was like, here's the Constitution, and you sign it while I hold the bayonet at you. Yeah. Um, and what it turned out, though, is that it was and that was led by um, corporate interests from the United States um, wanting to make Hawaii a U.S. territory. And she was basically led to believe that the U.S. military had boats waiting outside to like sort of bombarding the palace hmm. if she didn't sign this constitution. And it turned out that that was completely false. Like they didn't have that. It is lied. And it was, um, it wasn't Roosevelt, Theodore. It was, I'm trying to remember who was, it was whoever McKinley's predecessor was as president, as president. Anyway, he, he, maybe it was Garfield. Anyway, he like, he like got really mad that sort of us military interests acted without, con without Congress's consent in order to sort of force this territory thing. And so he sent like a formal apology um, to Hawaii, and I guess I guess because Cleveland was because yeah he Garfield was assassinated right or anyway McKinley ended up becoming the president and McKinley just like reverse course on the whole thing, and was like no this is going to be our territory now, and they forced Lily Okalani out of power and they put her under house arrest. Um, she, cause she had tried in a second coup or whatever, and they put her under house arrest in the palace and, um, in Iolani palace. And so, um, I understand she wrote that song. I have to look at the history to be for, for sure, but I think she wrote that song about her. That was her farewell to the people basically. Yeah. That yeah. was her don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, right. And it's like, but it's like the, the state song, right? Like <laughs> it's not the state song. Is, uh, okay. The state song is, uh, I can't remember the name of it. I just, I just l looked this up. Um, but I but can't it's remember a song it. that's very closely associated with the state. Like whenever you hear it in pop culture, it's always, you hear that. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like this history behind it is actually quite sad. <laughs> and, well, and what's interesting is that 
you know, the, that the, 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 the government had, had, um, forbade the people from learning the language. Hmm. Yeah. I remember that. And so, and so now they're there, a lot of folks are recovering her songs and they're translating them out of the out of the original language and they're finding out that they were not very flattering of the US government. <laughs> um and that it, it offers this picture of, of 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 what was going on, you know, for her. Um but, you know, in terms of like religion, even though like the government had done all this stuff to her, she she requested a Bible and a prayer book to be with her while she was under house arrest. Because um so one of the things that's interesting from an Episcopal church standpoint is that um Hawaii is the only diocese in the Episcopal Church that was once its own national church. It was once the Church of Hawaii, really? which was own autonomous province within the Anglican world. And then it became Episcopalian once the area became a territory. Um, and so um, and so it has its own prayer book uh, it, that was in its own native language. Um, that's still kind of part of the the culture and the diocese there, and a lot of music and stuff. There's a lot, a lot of Hawaiian music that's sung in church on Sundays. It's a pretty typical thing. In fact, there's a song that Queen Lily wrote that is sung in most churches every Sunday, including my new church. Um, and um, you know, so it's it it's just you know, it's so this interesting thing of you know, even though like the religion came as a result of colonialism, there seemed to be this legitimate embrace of it. Um, from a native standpoint, but it, it, but it was also, you know, part of the, you know, it's still part of the, the imperialistic stuff that happened as well. It's just, uh, yeah. Gotcha. And, and the thing is, is that all of that stuff, you know, comparing like to Florida, you know, and then difference, you know, differences in like Florida and Oklahoma, right. In Oklahoma, where you're at, um, a lot of, you know, Native American people, you know, were, you know, re- for- forcibly relocated to where you live. Yep. And so, like, you see Native people there, but they're, that's not their homeland. They were forced to be where you're at. Mm-hmm. Florida, of course, we we sent, right, we, 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 we forced Seminoles to march the Trail of Tears out to Oklahoma. But there was a group of Seminole and um, another breakoff group, they call themselves the Mikasuki, who remained. Mm-hmm. And... The thing about them and the thing about native tribes in Florida is that we have actively tried to completely erase them in the state of Florida. And if we keep anything around, we create these complete fabrications about who they are in order to make white people look good. And and they basically become like Disney characters. Um, You know, I'm I'm not saying that's what Disney does with them. I'm just saying like that same kind of fantasy approach to it you know like osceola is depicted in history in ways that were not at all accurate to who he was as a leader of the seminal um but so we've either erased it or we shipped it out right in florida the difference in hawaii is that it's still there Hmm. so like the reminders of what of what of the horrors of colonialism are still front and center of what it did to a native population. Right. Obviously, all of us in the United States can see evidence of what this kind of stuff has done to the black population through colonialism and what and, and all that. So, so that's you know, so these are things that like I'm you know I'm studying about and thinking about and seeing you know curious to see how it what it's going to be like for my ministry, even though the native population is very small. 
in Hawaii, there's aspects of it that have woven itself into the very, into just the air, just how everyone is. Like there are people there, you know, three, four generation, you know, ethnically Chinese or Japanese, but you know, they're, they are shaped in a worldview that was given to them by the native population of Hawaii. And so there's this, there's this constant reminder of, of these, of this people group and, and what we've done to them. Well, let's, let's shift gears. I want to do, I want to do uh, something fun. Okay. Um, I'm going to do JP's top five movies. um, Father Chuck should watch in order to get into the headspace he should be in when he moves to Hawaii movies that will prepare him for Hawaii. Okay. All right. Right off the bat. Number one, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> it has so little to do with Hawaii. <laughs> like they call the movie Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is like what? Like one act of that movie. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's a pretty awesome scene. Okay. Yeah. Pearl Harbor. Number one, number two, 51st kisses. Oh no! Or you was it Fifty First Dates? Fifty First Dates. Yeah, it used to be the, called Fifty First yeah. Kisses, but it's Fifty First Dates. Fifty First Dates, starring uh, you know at the the incomparable Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. That's um, the movie many times. <laughs> Set on the North Shore of Oahu, uh, which you can also see. Uh, I don't know if I want to bring that up on this podcast, but it sounds like I'm gloating. But what you can my 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 family. Um, my dad used to live in Hawaii, right? And um, my grandparents used to own an island there, and you can actually see the island in Fifty First Dates oh, nice. uh, through the window of like one of their restaurants or something. One of the, the diner in the movie. Okay, I mean, so, I, I would like to see it again now that I've been there and kind of understand the geography a little bit. So. <laughs> Fifty First Dates, number two. It's not a, it's not a good movie. <laughs> number three, uh, I'm going to say Lilo and Stitch. Okay, good one. Beloved in Hawaii. By the way, is it? Yes. From what I understand, it's actually like I haven't watched it in, in, in ages, but like I, I hear it's actually like pretty accurate. Like it, it's pretty, uh, uh, like they 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 do a good job of sort of capturing the cult, the sort of native culture, like how they feel. Uh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, but like I said, I I there are lots of there are lots of stitch stickers on people's cars when I'm there. <laughs> yes, that's funny. Um, yeah, there's like a deleted scene, um, that, uh, I don't know why they deleted it. Cause it actually would have been really funny. Um, it's where, it's where Lilo is, is like walking down the street or something, walking down the sidewalk and these tourists keep like pulling over to ask her where the beach is. And she just like points to some random area. <laughs> That's funny. And like they keep stopping and asking, and she just like points a different direction. She's just like, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that that that's pretty accurate from what I understand. <laughs> um, yeah. So Lilo and Stitch number three, uh, okay. number four. Um, um, I think I've run out of Hawaiian movies that are off the top of my head. Um, well, I, let me help you. There's uh, there's forget there's uh, there's forgetting Sarah Marshall. For, oh, forgetting um, Sarah Marshall. Oh yeah, yeah. There's Blue Crush. There's um Crush, yes. Yeah. Oh my there's, gosh, Youth of America. There is the Nation. <laughs> oh, I forgot that song is in the movie. <laughs> Youth of the Nation. 
Michelle Michelle Rodriguez is in that movie. Michelle Rodriguez um, and uh, Rachel Lewis. Bosworth is the main Kate main Bosworth actress. or Kate Bosworth. That's right. The uh, the thing about that movie is that it it's about it's about a North Shore surfer who falls in love with a football player who is there for like the Aloha Bowl, and all right. Yeah. Um, the editor of Surfer Magazine got a ton of hate mail for writing this whole editorial, basically, which like blasted the movies. Like, there's this is unbelievable. Like, no North Shore surfer is ever going to like fall in love with some football <laughs> job. Like, that's, that's just not going to happen. All right. Well, I want to replace my number one uh, instead of Pearl Blue Harbor. Crush. Blue Crush. Blue Crush. <laughs> um, the, you also you also forget the not at all con- uncontroversial. Um, or sorry, the not at all controversial Aloha. Um, oh, from, um, yes. from, yeah, I, I, I own it. Um, <laughs> from Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Can I, can it, cause the thing is, can I want to see it? And it's like, there's no one had it on streaming cause I guess nobody wants it. So we, we found it in like a bargain bin or something like five bucks. And so we bought it. And, um, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I just know that Emma Stone plays an Asian, right? Like, is that, <laughs> see, here's the Asian? thing. Here's the thing. She plays no. She plays. She explicitly mentions that she's like a sixteenth Chinese or something. Like oh, okay. it, it, her character is neurotic, and it's very like fitting with her that she's you know like what she is. But she's um, yeah. I mean, it, the it's thing an is, all around an unfortunate film. Like <laughs> just the thing is, here's the deal. It's like that's that's like I, obviously I can see why there's controversy around that. But the thing is, she at no at no point is she trying to be like a hundred percent Asian. Like she's, she, and, and Cameron Crowe in his defense, he wanted to, he wanted to make a movie that reflected contemporary Hawaii, which is this melting pot of all these different peoples. And so you could have people that would have like a Chinese last name who look like Emma Stone. Cause like that, that just happens. But, um, and so like, I think there's like a lack of nuance when people get upset about the movie over that, but I get it also with the whole whitewashing, not casting Asians in roles. So like, I get it. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend the movie. The worst part about that movie is that it's kind of boring. Um, it's not Elizabeth that, town in Hawaii. It's, it's not Elizabeth town in Hawaii. And that made me very sad because, <laughs> but it, the deal is though, is that it does actually make, it does. It, I, I, I like the way it depicts the, um, it, it seems to do a pretty a pretty interesting job with the um, Hawaiian sovereignty movement in that movie. Okay. Um, but it's um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it it, it 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 had potential, but the deal is it also deals with the military a lot. And having been to Hawaii, you know, on two short trips, I you know, there's so much more going on there, and like the part of Hawaii, the parts of Hawaii they show just don't seem to reflect the reality of day to day people in Hawaii, and the fact that they want to focus on like a white military guy, yeah, is not really honest to the area, I guess. Yeah. So you know, but you know, hey, he tried. Um, doesn't a very Brady sequel take place in Hawaii? It does. You're right. Yeah. There's also um, there's Baywatch Hawaii. Baywatch. Um, <laughs> Magnum PI, of course, um, of course, yeah. Um, Hawaii Five O, um, but yeah, yeah, very Brady sequel. I should definitely say. And uh, I just learned, I learned this evening that uh, Kurt Cobain and um, and um, Courtney Love were married in Hawaii oh, well, on a cliff. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would be interested to like watch these Hawaiian movies now. Yeah, I don't think any of the Elvis movies are going to be very accurate. I don't know if you're going to watch it. 
Yeah. I the thing is I bet I bet they're also like really embarrassing. Yeah, I bet they are. I bet they're like I bet they're pretty rough to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I'm trying to think like and there's Moana. Even though it's not really it's not really set set in Hawaii because it's yeah. it's actually set well before Polynesians got to Hawaii. Um but um you know, it's right, Moana. Right. Right. Which is, uh, Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, there's Jurassic Park, uh, Lost. Filmed filmed in Hawaii, yeah. You should just, uh, you should just binge Lost. No. Right there. Yeah. No, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Did you watch Lost when it was running? I can't remember if you're one of my Lost, I tried. One of my lost friends. No? No, I tried, and it was just one of those things where I couldn't keep up, and therefore I was like, ah. And then I did watch the finale. Yeah. Which I thought was fine. I had watched like, maybe two episodes of that show. Um, I remember watching one episode. I watched the episode when the polar bear showed up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like this is intriguing. And then I just was unable to like consistently watch it. But then um, I watched the finale because I, I was like, everyone's going to talk about it. So I at least want to see it. I won't know anything, but I want to see it. And um, it was interesting. It's weird. But um, um, they didn't know how to get out of that show. It's just right. They had no idea. <laughs> well, it's a J.J. Abrams thing, right? Yeah. Well, it's like it's like the first thing where they just didn't know how to get out of it. You know, it's not just J.J. Abrams. More more Damon Lindelof than Abrams. That's true. You know. Well, they had. What well, I mean, part of it is that they they intended to end the show at a certain point, right? But then they were convinced to keep it going. Something like that. It's been a long. And time. so and so as a result of it, they. Yeah, and they also gave off this whole like mystique that they had an actual storyline, and they just didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Um, but they, but then but then Lindelof perfected it with uh, his latest uh, Watchmen. On HBO. Right. Well, and what Leftovers is supposed to be really good too. I've also I've never seen any of those. I, I would like to. I really do want to watch Watchmen. Oh, dude, it's so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Hey, speaking of good TV that we're not talking about, yeah. Picard. Oh, it's great. I like Picard it. is so good. Uh, I didn't love the last episode that aired, um, but so far oh, interesting. A lot of people seem to really like it. I'm mean, what, what? Um, I don't know. It just seemed a little. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't. I just didn't really do it for me. I don't know. Okay. I can't. I, I'm. I don't know. It's been a while, <laughs> but I, I've I've pretty much I, I've loved every episode. I, I love. I think it's the best Star Trek has ever looked. That's probably true. Opinion, um, like it, it just looks really good, and and I, and I hate these sort of criticisms about how it's like, oh, they're trying to make Star Trek cool. I'm like, no, no, they're trying to make it good. <laughs> like, it for the first time, it looks to me, it looks like a really, really well done show. Yeah, and let me just say, when people talk about Picard and say like, oh, they're making, they're trying to make it edgy because the Federation is all like bad and stuff. Yeah, like. Think of the arc that you've gone through from next generation until now. You've got the entire Dominion War storyline. Right. You've got um, you've got that you've got first contact where the Borg traveled back in time to try to erase humanity, basically. Yeah. Um, you, you've got you've also you've got insurrection, which deals with the Federation, you know, trying to like harvest immortal like you know alien beings for immortal purposes. Yeah. 
And then you've got Nemesis, which is not a great movie, but deals with an attempted intrusion of the Romulans into the Federation and then them trying to ignite a weapon that would, like, decimate humanity. Well, I mean, and as someone who watched, like, 30 hours of Star Trek recently. Yeah, which is awesome you did that. Uh, there are a lot of episodes where the Federation, or at least people within the Federation who represent the Federation or Starfleet, are, like, shitty. Oh, hands down. If there's – if <laughs> basically – if an admiral, if an admiral is shows up as a one-off, that yeah. admiral's a bad guy. Pretty much, yeah. There's a, they, yeah. I mean, they they still show that there's a lot of like racism towards like the um, Romulans and stuff, and oh, yeah, they're just willing the... to throw anyone under the bus if it means oh, watch like Deep... having one up you... on the Romulans. Well, if you watch Deep Space Nine, the way they treat the Ferengi is awful. Yeah. Just because like the Ferengi are capitalists, so they therefore treat them as though they're. You know, like it, it completely goes against like Federation principles all the time, the way they treat the Ferengi. Right. So it's not always like, I mean, there are some like, you know, uh, false flag stuff. Can't think of it in my mind right now, but um, it's it's not like it, it's it's like it's like the whole idea of like when you ask somebody to describe Kirk and they basically describe Han Solo. Right. If you just if you ask someone to describe the Federation, it's like, oh, it's a perfect utopia. Like, not really. Like, it, the whole point is that like, we can have a better tomorrow, but humans are still humans. They're still gonna do like stupid things and horrible evil well, things. Well, I mean, to be fair, Roddenberry did not believe that. Roddenberry did believe that humanity would evolve past petty conflicts and things like yeah. that. Um, but you know, but you could also argue that you know they are always at risk of de-evolution too. Um, that's one of the reasons why, as I've said to you in like, you know, in our pr- private conversations, I think I've said this to you and I said it to Patrick Funston, father fun, who hasn't been on the show in what, like a year and a half, um, is, um, I'm like half expecting Q to show up at the end of this season. <laughs> Basically it's a Q, ep- it's a Q thing because it's dealing with humanity, you know, going backwards, which is the, the whole thing he accuses them about in, the first episode of next generation and also deals with in the last episode of next generation. Right. Which the last episode of next generation is partly set sort of contemporaneous to the time of Picard. Like 20 hours, 20, 30 hours, I should say of Star Trek. It goes a very, a very long way. Uh, <laughs> to where I was like, I mean, would you get to like season three? No, five. Wow. Cause I started in three. Dude. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had I, because I wanted to finish it all before I got to Picard, and I'm, I'm like, Picard's already four episodes in, <laughs> like, and I can't take this anymore. Some of these episodes are really bad, dude. That's the thing for a show that is as beloved as it is, there is some garbage. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just the nature you... of, of syndication. You know, you're gonna get some real. Oof. Uh, have you seen the episode with the space Irish? I I need to see this one. No, the space Irish. Or maybe the space Irish. Would d- describe it to me. It's they they have to like there's like this planet that's like about to be destroyed, and so they beam the locals up, and it turns out they're like space Irish, and they like have to bring like their sheep and their hay with them, um, and they're just complete <laughs> Irish stereotypes on the on like in like a in like some random like storage bay. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was it was recently like Gizmodo or something did a thing on it. That's like one of the worst episodes, though. Everyone seems to really hate the episode where like Crusher like has a relationship with a, like a green cloud. 
Did I get to that yet? That's I think that's the final season. I got to one where she has a relationship with a dude with a parasite. Uh, yeah, was he, was he a trill? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was. I don't know. The Crushers episodes are kind of. Yeah, not great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with her. I kind of just um, have to like wait wait them out. The the uh, I will say this: uh, Deanna Troy episodes also not great. Deanna Troy with Luxana Troy, wonderful. Gold. <laughs> Luxana's always you. You see, she also she shows up on Deep Space Nine and is great in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and, and, and what's funny is like the first episode I watched with Luxana Troy, I was like, oh, she comes back in other episodes, really. But like she gets better <laughs> in every oh, episode. Yeah. Well, you know, and she's all that's um that's um you know Major Barry that was uh Roddenberry's wife, and oh. she does the voice of the computer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did read about that. Yeah. And so they they, they sometimes do little in jokes about her talking to the computer, which is funny. <laughs> um, but um, no, I read she's... somewhere that they wanted to give her a sitcom, a Star Trek sitcom. You know, they, I wish, I wish they had the guts to do that. <laughs> I really like Star Trek to me is one of these things that we should do a whole Star Trek. Have we done a Star Trek episode? I mean, we do lots of Star Trek episodes. I guess. I just think that Star Trek is one of these. Like, it's like, I feel like that's our, like, uh, our, I don't know. I don't know. How to, I don't know. I'll think of something. I'm fried. But I, here, the thing is, is I think that, I think that Star Trek of any of the, of any of the sci-fi franchises out there yields itself to being able to do everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I what, like watching that show Almost Human. Do you remember that show Almost Human with Carl Urban? Yes, yes. Okay, I thought it was a great show. Futuristic, police procedural. I was totally up my totally up my alley. I've long thought that they should do basically like Law and Order, Starfleet. That'd be cool, right? Yeah. I'd be like, down. how do they solve how do they how do, how do they solve crimes? And then what happens when like Section Thirty One shows up? Like, right. that's you know. Um, I think they are planning a Section Thirty One show with um, yeah, they Michelle Michelle Yeoh. They are, but like, but like they they, they tend but to I know have what you're this... talking about like a, like like a cop on the beat, you know, like right. What's and a like, beat they're... like in in, in 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 the Federation? Well, and there's this show coming out that's good, it's because animated, I guess, Below Decks. Uh, the Lower Decks, yeah. Lower Decks, which well, make that a live action show? <laughs> Come on, like, give us the give us the ship. That does nothing, <laughs> right? Which is like I, I always had this like head cannon that the Melbourne wasn't destroyed, um, which is the the Melbourne that was offered to Riker, right? In the the big Borg episode, right? But then it yeah. got destroyed. Fifty nine, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Lakitas. I had this like head cannon where like they keep offering it to to Riker. He's like, no, stop offering me the Melbourne. It's not because I don't like the. It's not because I don't believe Enterprise. The Melbourne sucks. Right. <laughs> I just love this idea of just like, a, like we'll give you the Melbourne. Like stop offering me the Melbourne. Nobody wants the Melbourne. Dude, I watched an episode the other night, and they referred to one of the one of the other ships in the Federation, known as the USS Crazy Horse. Yeah, where's crazy horse. that? I want that ship in every episode. I want the show about that ship. That ship's captain. <laughs> yeah, the Crazy Horse isn't the Crazy Horse the the one with the the ball? Or no, 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 no. The, the, is it a Daedalus class with the with the ball instead of a disc? The data list is like those are like medical ships. Okay, maybe I'm thinking so. I think the I think the crazy horse might be an Excelsior class. Okay, but either way, like, <laughs> give me that ship. Give me that, like who's the captain of the crazy horse? 
like some Jimmy Buffett guy, like just dude, like <laughs> he's just sipping margaritas. Like he has a marg in every in each hand. Listen, because like like the Orville, I love the Orville. I think it's a great show. The premise of the Orville in the first episode was that was that Seth MacFarlane's character Ed Mercer, Captain Ed Mercer, is sort of like he's given this sort of not important ship as like consolation. Yeah. Because like you know they they sort of owed him a favor, and so they just gave him. It's like okay, you like you're sort of like you, we have to give you command, so here's this <laughs> ship. But then it's turned into that that ship is basically like. Enterprise D, like it's become like this big deal. And, I, and again, it's a great show. And I think it, it captures the spirit of next generation era Star Trek better than some of the newer stuff that, that, that is actual Star Trek. But I kind of wish that in the Star Trek world, they could give us that premise, like give us, give us the ship where like some Admiral's kid <laughs> who somehow failed his way upward. <laughs> is yeah. in command and he's awful at it. And there's like some, like some cadet, some ensign is actually way smarter than him. Yeah. It's basically like Wesley, but like not annoying. Their engineer person is like, is like uh Joe Rogan on, on news radio. Yeah. <laughs> he's more like a maintenance guy than a, <laughs> yeah. Like give me that, you know, or just, or give me, or again, if you're going to do a lower decks type show, like do it, do it on, like the enterprise, right. but let me see, let me see the people who like their whole life is just like repairing the replicator. Right. <laughs> you know, like give me, show me the menial task jobs of Starfleet. And what is their life? Like, it's like, here's the thing. If you, when you get around to watching Voyager, yeah. you get like five or six seasons into Voyager and they do a lower decks episode. And you realize that these people have been doing these jobs for five or six years in the Delta Quadrant. They're not being promoted because the ship is just the one Federation ship. And that was like the big one of the big complaints of Roger of uh, Ronald Moore, right? Like he, yeah. he brings that up in his big screed against Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why, why are they would still they... working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you know, interpret it in such a way that like because I think he's one who suggested like it should have made sense for them to to like come up with like first of all the crew should have mutinied at some point yeah and and then develop a situation where people rotate their role on the ship like right you know maybe 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 somebody else is captain for like a week yeah he said they, they would it should have eventually turned into like a generation ship or something like a, yeah. yeah but um but yeah also the if you a, a fun thing when you're watching voyager is to read the um memory alpha entries of every episode after you watch them okay. and see all the little like clearly clearly like really nitpicky fans put things in there and the best thing about voyager is they as you read through memory alpha someone keeps a running tally of the number of shuttlecraft that get destroyed <laughs> really yeah <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> um and uh the other thing is is there's a there's a great video uh on youtube that shows that shows um, the number of photon torpedoes they use. Yeah. And the thing about that is Janeway goes out of her way in the very first episode to say that they only have like 75 photon torpedoes. Or like they're like, they're very limited in the number of photon torpedoes they have and they can't get more. <laughs> and then they just use them all the time. Well, I mean, it's, it's like when, when pirate ships, they ran, they ran out of cannonballs. They just 
through in like silverware. So there's. <laughs> but um, and they and they can just like basically like three D print a ship, in yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Voyager's great. I um. I uh, the other the other fun one is running through memory alpha is Deep Space Nine, yeah. is uh, the kid who plays the kid who plays Jake Sisko. The actor's name is Sirach Lofton. Okay. I think I've told you this before. I may have even said this on this podcast. I'm convinced that he went through every entry and marked which episode he's not in. Because <laughs> every time he's not in it, there's a thing. There's like an entry in like the like like background information section of each episode where it says like Sirach Lofton does not appear in this episode. <laughs> like someone did that. That's amazing. Wow. I'm not getting in enough into the minutia of the fandom here. Oh, dude. I'm trying to kind of avoid it because, like, I, I a friend of mine uh, invited me to a group on Facebook that talks about Star Trek, but is also a subset of the Red Le- Red Letter Media fandom. Okay. Uh, Red Letter Media, as you know, uh, is the Plinkett reviews. They reviewed uh, famous for their Phantom Menace takedown from like ten years ago, um, and it's just complaining, <laughs> like it is. J- like he's like, oh, we're all talking about Star Trek. It's like all Red RLM fans and Star Trek. All they do is just complain about Star Trek. There is no, it's all just divisiveness. Yeah, it tur- we've talked about this a few times on this podcast. It turns out fandom is awful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I I've not yet. It. It was bad. Yeah, I've not yet watched Discovery. I want I want to do it. It's it's you know I I uh, I get people's I watched the first season and I get people's apprehension because of how, of uh, the technology and a lot of that stuff. But I also kind of like kind of think it's it's cool because it reminds me of um, oh gosh we should we need to do a Star Trek episode soon. Yes, because <laughs> I could do a whole episode on what I'm about to talk about. Uh, so there's this really great movie, one of my all-time favorite films, called L.A. Confidential, um, yes. uh, with you know Russell Crowe, Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. Kevin mm-hmm. Spacey, great movie. yeah. And it takes place in the '50s, and it takes place like in the in, in the '50s in Hollywood. And the director of the movie, oh, I forgot his name, he died recently though. Very very sad. Not Frank Darabont. No, 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 no. It was not Frank Darabont. Um, lesser known director uh, I, I don't know i forgot his name uh but he he wanted to show hollywood curtis hansen curtis hansen exactly yes that's it um he wanted to it's it set in the 50s but he's like i didn't want to make it like too authentic i wanted to give it modern accents because that way people would focus less on what's going on around and focus more on the characters and the story. Mm-hmm. And the result of that is not just, is not just, you know, I mean, he does accomplish that. It's not just that, but it also, it looks cool. I like the look of LA confidential because it does look very modern, but also has like a cool sort of retro look to it. Right. So it's sort of mixed somehow. And I kind of feel like discovery sort of accomplishes that. Like it doesn't look anything like old star Trek, but I, Brian Fuller has said like that wasn't really the purpose is like we have there are things that like it'll definitely give you a hint of like this was thought up in the 60s but it is modern in a way and that's that's on purpose it's like a, it's a, it's an artistic 
decision because we can't make a retro TV show. They won't let us, <laughs> you know? Well, and plus, I mean, that's the, th I will say as, as, you know, I love Star Trek. I will say though, that when you're looking at the way, like the production design of next generation, deep space nine Voyager and all of that, they're clearly like their image of the future is kind of plausible yeah in the sense of like aesthetics right mm -hmm. like you know they're, they 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 tap into a sort of timelessness of what we recognize as good design yeah rounded corners a, i know yeah. beige is not a is not the thing everybody wants you know and obviously that like, the color palette is jewel toned in those and so that's not that's not <laughs> contemporary but like it suggests that it suggests that like the 20 what is it the 23rd century is when is when the original series is set it suggests that starfleet hired some just insane designer yeah i know <laughs> yeah for everything <laughs> they just like went buck wild <laughs> for a period of time there yeah that's true but um, uh, and and also i think what what's interesting about sort of the, the artistic design of star trek is i think like each iteration like that is of its time like right. tng is very of its time like right. the wall-to-wall -wall carpet with the ficus in the corner of the room like <laughs> that's yeah that's that 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 was my childhood i think like <laughs> i saw plenty yeah, of I mean, like that it, it look it, it it looks like a mall or a therapist office or something <laughs> yeah 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 um so I mean I don't know I think it's it's just it's just sort of the nature of Star Trek and it's just going to happen, and uh, yeah, um, so yeah I, I don't know if we if we keep going on Star Trek this is going to turn into like a three hour episode, but okay, uh, <laughs> wait that, that's what we should do we should commit to we should commit to our next episode being a Star Trek episode we should do that I want to do that because um, there's so like honestly dude I would be I would be totally on board with us just making this a Star Trek cod podcast. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, shuttle podcast. Um, sh shuttle, shuttle, shuttle. Pod anyway, yeah, I, I. Um, the captain. Because there's divinity. so, there's so much. You know, have I told you about the book idea that I have? We can end on this. I've, I've had this book idea. Yeah. Sometimes in the back of my mind, and just talking about it right now makes me think of it. And that is, like, an evangelism handbook for different fictional alien species. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've you've told me you've had a somewhat of an idea about aliens wanting to become Christians or wanting to become baptized. Is that sort of linked? Yeah, to that? yeah. No, no, no. There, I like I, I've been. That, that's a novel I've been kind of yeah. working on. Huh? There. No, that that's kind of like serious. The uh, okay. no, I'm thinking like it'd be a funny like comedy book. Like I don't okay. know. Yeah. Funny like I don't know. I don't. Maybe only I find it funny. But like, you know, like an evangelism field guide. Like, all right. So if you're going to encounter like a Vulcan, here's how you convert them to Jesus. Like. <laughs> Like, I just think that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be interesting. Huh. You know, like, the predator. Yeah. How to convert the predator to Jesus. Warning. Do not try to convert the predator. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the predator would actually be pretty chill because you don't have any weapons. So they only kill people who have weapons. That's true, right? Yeah. The, uh, you know, now here's the question. The, the xenomorph. Is the xenomorph intelligent enough to, like, is it really? I mean... How intelligent is the xenomorph? I mean, if you try to tell the xenomorph about Jesus, like, yeah, I know him. 
Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> that's right. Because Jesus engineered them. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. How do I evangelize to the that engineers? Most of our audience probably does not know. <laughs> Evangelizing to the engineers, like, yeah, I, I, this is this is me. This is. See, this would be funny. <laughs> I guess it maybe only like five. Maybe it to be like a funny like Reddit thread. Yeah. <laughs> like create a subreddit. Like, all right. Just start listing like alien species. Tell me how you'd evangelize them. <laughs> Ferengi. Yeah. You know, Cardassians. Um, Wookiees. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, oh, we should just say uh, real quick, uh, Star Wars, a high Republic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I... just, that's it. No, say nothing else. Okay. And then we'll like hashtag it so that we can get like that. Get that, that SEO. At SEO. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars High Republic. How do you feel about Star Wars High Republic? It's Star Wars High Republic. There you go. Bernie Sanders. All right. So uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, be sure to leave a comment, uh, a review, like, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Ring that bell for notifications. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much for 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 listening and watching, uh, and I want to thank Father Chuck for being here. Thank you. You're gonna have so much fun editing this thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> thank you again for joining us, and join us again next week or next time. I should say I had to get you saying next time. <laughs> Good journey. Mah- mahalo. <laughs> <laughs>